It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Wentz, more pressure. Here comes Matthews. There goes Wentz. Down field they go. Caught on the fly and with a good-looking run here. And in, Matt Collins gets the touchdown. A rookie from North Carolina. A catch and run of 38 yards. The slippery Wentz gets away. And a 38-yard touchdown pass. What is going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is another BGN Radio daily episode with me, Brandon Lee Gowton. I'm back. I apologize for not being on last week. Uh, I was down in Washington, D.C. at SB Nation headquarters uh, meeting with some of the other SB Nation team bloggers. Shout out to our good friends over at Behind the Steel Curtain, Jeff Hartman, uh, blogging the boys. I know I'm giving a Cowboys blog a shout out. Very weird, but Dave Halpern's a very good guy there, so he's okay in my book. Uh, Rich Hill from Pat's Pulpit, Gina Thomas from The Falcoholic, um, Ed Valentine from Big Blue View, Fooch from Niners Nation, obviously uh, Joel Thorman from Arrowhead Pride. So shout out to all those guys that I met down there. Uh, Really good time. But let's get into some Eagles talk. That's obviously what we are here for today. I got a little, not not like a, a ton of things to talk about. Nothing super interesting. We do have roster cuts coming down. Uh, it's kind of a boring week in sense of the game because it's the fourth preseason game. It's meaningless. It's against the Jets every year. We know the deal. Backups playing for jobs. Kind of interesting in that sense in determining those final roster spots. But when you think about it, you know how many how much impact does that really even have? You know what are these jobs? What are they what are they going to mean in the regular season? Probably not a whole lot. So. Kind of a boring week in that sense, although we will have roster cuts by 4 p.m. on this upcoming Saturday, September 2nd. So the Eagles rosters uh, at 87 or so, they made a couple cuts over the weekend, but it's close to 90 and it's going down all the way to 53. So there will be a lot of cuts this weekend. Should be interesting. Um, But before we get to all that, we have to talk about the trade the Eagles made because Howard Roseman loves to make trades. He loves to tinker with the roster. And that's exactly what he did here by trading Terrence Brooks, 
to the New York Jets in exchange for a guy named Dexter McDougal. First of all, I think that's a great name, Dexter McDougal. Uh, I keep feeling like I'm going to get it wrong for some reason. I keep feeling like I'm going to say uh, Dexter McCluster. I think that's why, uh, you know, former Chiefs and Titans player. Uh, I keep thinking I'm going to get those two mixed up. I don't think I have yet, so watch me do it now that I just jinxed myself. But it's an interesting trade because I thought Terrence Brooks was looking pretty good. I thought he was going to make the roster. I thought he was going to be the third safety behind Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. Uh, I really thought he was going to get on the field, not just make the team as the third safety, but I thought the Eagles were going to really, they they should have at least gotten Terrence Brooks more involved in terms of what I was seeing. But they went out and they signed Corey Graham, so I guess they weren't like super thrilled with what they saw out of Terrence Brooks. Brooks was still the fourth safety, and they could have kept him. But I think the Eagles looked at it like, we have so much safety depth. And that is a funny thing to say, because for the longest time after the Eagles didn't keep Brian Dawkins, the Eagles had no safety, not only no safety depth, they didn't have any safeties. So for them to be in a spot right now where they are and they have all these safeties, they have obviously two great starters in Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. And Corey Graham is a guy who was starting for the Bills last year and has been a starter for most of his NFL career. At least he's played a lot of meaningful football over his career. So you have three solid safeties. Uh, The fourth guy, I'm guessing it's Jalen Watkins, which isn't very exciting at all. Uh, But he can play cornerback and safety, so if you're going to keep him and he's your fourth guy, whatever. Uh, I know that's not very exciting uh, that he's going to be around again, but could be worse. And then obviously you keep Chris Maragos around as your special teams guy. And that's your five safeties right there. And I kind of think part of the reason the Eagles make this trade, it's a small thing. I don't think it's the main impetus behind the trade. But the fact that you have a guy like Trey Sullivan, undrafted free agent, he was the guy who lit up that Packers receiver. Thankfully, that receiver is okay. I uh, don't want to see Trey Sullivan sending two people to the hospital. But you do like those big hits. Uh, as long as no one's getting hurt, you want to see him make that kind of impact in the secondary. You want to see him have good coverage skills. And I think I've seen that out of Trey Sullivan during practice in the preseason. I don't think Sullivan makes the roster. I don't think he's ready for that. But I think he can make the practice squad. And that's kind of a nice young guy to have around. Now, again, for, so I think it's an okay trade overall. I think it's because the Eagles had so much depth at safety, they felt like they were comfortable making that deal. Because at a spot the Eagles did not have depth at was cornerback. You know, that's obviously a huge issue with this team. They're bringing in Dexter McDougal. From everything that I've read and the, the Jets writers that I've talked to from ganggreennation.com, uh, very close to our site's name, bleedinggreennation.com, but I think they've all been very positive about Dexter McDougal, and, and reasonably so. You know, They're not saying he's a stud or anything because, look, he's missed a lot of playing time. He's been hurt. He hasn't been able to get on the field ever since being uh, a draft pick in 2014. But it seems like he was having a good summer this training camp and preseason. So that's the good news. Sounds like he can play in the slot. Uh, some people checking in in the Facebook comments, such as Dan Click and Chad Weikert and some other of our great listeners in here. If you are listening on the replay, you could be watching this live on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com backslash Bleeding Green Nation. Every Monday, I am here with your BGN Radio Daily episode. So 
Again, if you're listening on the replay, make sure you check that out. If you're listening live, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, but back to our good friend, Dexter McDougal. I think there's a good chance he fits in as a backup slot cornerback because I know someone here in the comments just asked about it. Um, let me scroll up real quick and see who that was because, oh, it was our good friend Paulo Cortez asking, what does the nickel cornerback position look like? And that plays right into what I'm talking about right now because I think that Patrick Robinson is going to be your first team nickel guy. And that's a little surprising because Patrick Robinson did not look very good in training camp and off-season practices. But that was when he was playing on the outside. He seems to be playing a little bit better on the inside. I think he's more suited for that. When you look back at Patrick Robinson's success in the NFL, and it's not a big time period to look back at, but when he's been at his best, it's been in the slot. So I think that's a good sign for the Eagles that they're able to move him in there. And look, I don't think Ron Brooks makes this team. He was the slot corner last year. I think a lot of people have penciled him in to be the guy this year, obviously. But I just don't think he makes this team. He's missed so much practice time. And I think you bring in Dexter McDougal, and I think that's your new guy either competing with Robinson for the slot job or at least backing him up. So I think that's how McDougal fits into the roster. I think that's what happens at the slot position. And the slot position is one of four positions that Doug Peterson mentioned as roster battles that haven't been decided yet. So the slot was the I believe the first, yeah, that was the first one he mentioned. He also brought up the running backs, so we'll get into that a little bit. Um, he also brought up the tight ends, and he brought up the backup offensive tackle picture with Dylan Gordon and Taylor Hart as the two guys he specifically mentioned. So I already addressed the cornerback the position, especially nickel. Let's get into the running back position a little bit, because I know that's obviously going to be a big topic of discussion as the cuts are drawing near on Saturday. Corey Clement, Donald Pumphrey, what happens? What do you guys think? What do you think what happens? Um, me, personally, I think Donald Pumphrey, there's no way the Eagles cut him. I just don't see that happening. They haven't cut a first-round pick since, like, the 80s, I think. It's been a long time. And not only is Donald Pumphrey a fourth-round pick, the Eagles traded up to draft Donald Pumphrey. They only gave up a seventh-round pick. So it's not like they gave up the world here. But still, they had real interest in him. And to give up on him after one preseason, I don't think they're going to do it. But it's a question. Because when you look at it, Donald Pumphrey hasn't been very good. And look, I know the offensive line hasn't blocked great. I know it's only preseason, limited sample size. Yes, all of those things are factors. And I'm not saying Donald Pumphrey's career is over. But we haven't seen that explosiveness in practice or in a game. It's just not there. Maybe it'll show up at some point. I'm just not seeing it. If you look at his testing numbers, Donald Pumphrey is not an explosive. He's not, well, he's not a particularly athletic player. And he's very small. So it's just hard to see what the appeal is here. Because he's had 31 touches in the preseason. And his longest run is 5 yards. And his longest reception is 13 yards. He also had 8 punt returns. His longest punt return is 8 yards. 
So the point there is there's no big play element. There's no explosiveness. There's no flash. I'm just not seeing it. So I think what the Eagles have to do with Donald Pumphrey is play him a lot on Thursday night, hope he stubs his toe, and try to put him on the injured reserve list. Because I just don't see how he's really going to be able to contribute to the team this year. If you do keep him on the final roster, which is fine, he's only going to be the fourth running back anyway, and he's not going to be active. And the things he brings to the team are very similar, at least in theory, what he brings to the team. It's what Darren Sproles does, except Darren Sproles is obviously much better and a potential Hall of Famer. So I don't think Pumphrey really fits in on this roster right now uh, in in the sense that I just don't think he's ready to contribute. Now, I don't think that, again, I don't think that means they cut him because I think you're not going to cut him and risk losing him on the practice squad or waivers. I just don't think the Eagles do that. But I think so. I think that leaves it as the injured reserve situation is the best possible thing. And it's kind of funny that I say that because it's like, oh yeah, you just sneak him on the injured reserve. Well, it's not very sneaky if we're all saying it at this point, and it's such an obvious thing. But uh, maybe that's how it works out. As far as Corey Clement goes, the Eagles can keep him. I'm fine with that. But he doesn't do a lot for me. And I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I've said it before. I think he's just a guy, and that's fine. Again, he's not bad. I just don't know what Corey Clement does so well that the Eagles must keep him. He's had a good summer. I'm not trying to trash the guy. I'm not trying to say he's bad. I'm not trying to say the Eagles shouldn't keep him. I just don't think you're risking a lot by cutting him and trying to put him on the practice squad. Because if someone else really wants Corey Clement, they're going to have to cut one of their own players to put him on their roster. And I just don't think... I would see why a team would even do that because I just don't think he does anything particularly special. He's fine. But players like him, running backs like that, who are just fine, average, they're a dime a dozen. So I just don't see that happening. Um, Maybe he makes the team, but I think the only chance that Corey Clement makes the team is, as if I said, if Donald Pumphrey gets put on that injured reserve list. So I think that's what Corey Clement's kind of hoping for here. And I think it's more likely that he gets put on the practice squad. But we'll see. Uh, Another one of those battles that I wanted to get to is the tight end spot. Because that's a little interesting. Are the Eagles going to keep four tight ends? They're obviously going to keep Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck, and Trey Burton. But Billy Brown is the guy to watch. He's looked good at times in the preseason here. He missed the last game, which doesn't really help his case. But it's just one game. Uh, he needs to show that he can block. That'll, that would go a long way in helping him make the team. And personally, I want to keep Billy Brown on this Eagles roster. I don't know if they will, but I, if, if it's up to me, and it's not, I would try to keep him on this roster. I think the Eagles have an interesting situation where Selleck is probably done after this year, and Trey Burton is going to be a free agent. So, And he might be back, but... There's no guarantee. So if both of those players might be gone next year, that leaves you with only Zach Ertz. And as Rob Dean is checking in on the comments here, saying Burton has been sloppy during the preseason, and that's true. He's he's going to make the team, but he's dropped some passes. So that's not great. Uh, I, I, I think it, it would be great to keep Billy Brown around and have him, even if you're not using him this year, just to have as that guy who's in your system for a whole year 
And if you want to keep him around next year and you don't want to resign Trey Burton, or even if you do, either way, you have Billy Brown there. I think Billy Brown might be a little too intriguing for teams to not put a claim in on, or at least try to, if he, if he stays on the practice squad, I think a team at some point uh, will try to snatch him away. I could be wrong about that, because I think we always try to overvalue our own guys, or we don't try to, but it happens. Uh, and Speaking of the tight end position, a uh, question here from Kevin Enor. What about Adam Zaruba? I think he's a long shot to make the team. I, I, I honestly just don't see a scenario where he makes the team. But practice squad, I wouldn't rule it out because I've, I've seen some good blocking from him. At the same time, he's 26, uh, so he's not exactly like the most young developmental player. I don't really know if that works out. Uh, maybe he'll get a shot somewhere else in the NFL on someone else's practice squad. But, but Zaruba's had a decent summer for a guy who came in and he didn't really play football, and or at least not since high school. And he's a, a rugby player, so kind of an interesting thing to watch. Um, I'm going to skip over off. Well, I'll, I'll mention offensive tackle real quick. Uh, Doug mentioned Dylan Gordon and Taylor Hart. Taylor Hart's actually looks surprisingly okay for a guy moving from defensive tackle to offensive tackle. Does that mean he makes the team? I think he's on the bubble. I don't know that I'm penciling him in, but it's kind of a thing to watch. And then Dylan Gordon. I think Dylan Gordon makes it because he can play fullback. He's a backup left tackle behind Big V, so he's your fourth tackle. And he can kind of line up as a sixth offensive lineman or a tight end, a blocking tight end, if you want to use him that way. So that's how I view that position. Uh, Doug only mentioned those four spots, but I, I wrote an article on bleedinggreennation.com. You can go check it out at the site. Uh, defensive end, defensive tackle, wide receiver, and linebacker. I think those positions are all really interesting, too, in terms of who the Eagles keep. There's a lot of jobs up in the air. The linebacker, I think I have like five players on the bubble and only two locks because there's so much up in the air at that spot. So the Jets game will help uh, give us a little bit more of a clear picture. At least the the Eagles are probably hoping that's the case. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk to about today was Nick Foles. Cause I see some people in the comments asking about what's up with Nick Foles. And it's a great question because I don't know. <laughs> um, Nick Foles, here's the deal. So he missed a lot of training camp practices and all the preseason games so far due to a sore elbow injury. He returned to practice like a week or two ago, but then elbow injury acted up again which caused him to miss last week's game so it's kind of a situation where I'm looking at it like is Foles ever going to get healthy because he's going to have to throw in practice and he's going to have to throw if he plays in a game god forbid hopefully that doesn't happen but I just don't see this as as something that's going to get better now I'm not a doctor I'm not privy to all the medical information here I just don't see how Foles is going to get better his elbow if he's going to keep throwing, and he's going to have to keep throwing. So that's a concern to me, and that's why I wrote the Colin Kaepernick article that I'm sure will cause a firestorm in all the comments, as it usually does. But, you know, people, you're saying you're accusing me of clickbait and all that. It's not that. I just honestly think Colin Kaepernick, if Nick Foles is going to be injured, and he, not only, it's not just about can he play. I mean, Doug Peterson basically admitted that 
the pain thing might just have to be something Nick Foles plays through. And that's not great to me because Nick Foles isn't that awesome to begin with. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. I think that's what he belongs on or that's how he belongs in the NFL. But from there to, to be having a sore elbow and that might affect his performance. And look, when I was at training camp practice, the day before Nick Foles, it was announced that he had an injury. He had a really, really bad practice. He threw like multiple interceptions. So to me, that tells me that that injury probably contributed to him playing bad. So if, if Nick Foles is going to have this injury and he's not going to be healthy enough, I just feel like, what are we doing? I feel like you put him on injured reserve if it, he's not going to be healthy and it's going to keep being an issue. You bring in Kaepernick. Uh, for everyone saying he's a distraction, no, he is not. Eagles players in the locker room, Torrey Smith, has said as much. Malcolm Jenkins, obviously a big Kaepernick supporter as well. Uh, I think he gives you the best chance to win. If, if it's a long-term situation where Nick Foles is going to be out and you need a backup, I think you have to at least call Kaepernick. I'm not saying you need to go out and sign him today, right now, but you need to have some kind of contact with him in the event that Foles isn't ready to go and you need a new backup all of a sudden. So that's where I'm coming from with that. Um, I do think, again, it comes down to giving the team the best chance to win, and if Kaepernick would have to play, I think he gives the team a better chance to win than an injured Nick Foles who has a sore elbow. Um, A comment from our own BGN radio here, and actually something funny enough that I did have written down in my show notes, a little inside baseball for you. Um, My thoughts on Marcus Johnson's switch from 84 to number 14. It is a bad move by Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson has been having a good summer, but 84 to 18 or 84 to 14. Why why change your number to 14? 84 was a, a much better jersey number for him, and I still have Marcus Johnson as a lock to make this team. But man, that's just a weird change to me. That's Riley Cooper's old number. You don't want that number. Uh, I thought 84 was fine, so it was a weird change. Couple other jersey number changes was that all of a sudden Corey Graham is now 24, which was Terrence Brooks' number. Uh, Corey Graham previously number 36. That's a good number for Corey Graham. That's the same number he wore in Baltimore. He's a veteran guy. He should be wearing a, a good jersey number that he wants to, to wear. 24 is good for him. And then new Eagles cornerback. Dexter McDougal is wearing 36 and 36 is a good number for him I think because he's new to the team he doesn't deserve a good number yet he still has a lot to prove uh safe Alsafi checking in the comments saying uh BLG I gave five stars on iTunes plus invited you guys to Iowa this weekend to his wedding uh John Barton might really want to take you up on that I don't think I can make it to Iowa this weekend man but congrats on getting married safe uh, that's awesome. And thank you for giving us a five-star review. If you are listening to this podcast and your name is not safe since he already gave us a review, make sure you do go to iTunes, give us a rating and a review. It's two different things. You can give a rating, uh, five stars, and then give us a review. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you like about these podcasts, what you don't like. Uh, we really appreciate your feedback. So that's mostly everything I have for today, but not quite everything because... Every week on my BGN Radio Daily, I'm honored to have the great Stephen Lee from West Palm Beach in Florida to give me his weekly over-under 
prop bets that he or his prompts, whatever you want to call them, his over under list that I will go through and because he's always he does a great job with them. So I try to go through and give my take on over and under because he comes up with some good numbers and I think they're pretty relevant. Um, Andrew Rooney checking in saying I have a negative 21 IQ, so that must mean I'm really smart. But back to I'm going to take the over on that IQ, by the way. So for today's over and unders, we have Timmy Jernigan at five sacks. That's our first one. So Tim Jernigan, Jim Sports actually talked about him a a little bit today in his press conference. Tim Jernigan hasn't really posted a lot of big numbers yet in the preseason, but Part of the reason Swartz has said that is because he's still making that transition from 3-4 to 4-3. He's always played 3-4 in the NFL, so it's a new transition for him. And uh, Jim Swartz also gave Timmy Jernigan a lot of credit for showing up in a way that doesn't show up in the stats sheet in the sense of he's allowing other players on that defensive line to make plays. Swartz pointed out that Fletcher Cox isn't getting double teamed all the time now because Jernigan's in there too, and you just can't double Cox and have Jernigan single blocked all the time. So when it comes to five sacks, Jernigan's never had more than that. That was his total last year. I think this system will be really good for him, but I think if it's something that we see now where he's going to get attention, maybe he doesn't get all of those sacks. I'm going to say under on the five sacks. I think he could go over. I wouldn't be shocked, but I think you're looking at like 5.5 or 6. So I kind of want to take the under on that and play it safe. Second of three prop bets this week is Nelson Aguilar, 45 receptions. So I think that's about nine more than he had last year. I think Nelson Aguilar had 36 last year, and he'll be in the slot. So I think there's a chance he gets more of those receptions just from being in that I don't want to say he's a safety blanket for Carson Wentz because I don't think they have that kind of relationship yet, and I don't think Aguilar is that kind of reliable player. But I was looking at an ESPN projection from our an Eagles fan by the name of Mike Clay, who does fantasy work for ESPN. Um, Mike Clay, I think, had Aguilar projected at 70 receptions, which I think is that's probably just a little too high. So I don't see that happening because I think Aguilar is going to split his time in the slot with some of these other guys the Eagles have. So I'm taking the under on 45 receptions for Nelson Aguilar as well. And then finally, the third and final over-under today is LeGarrette Blunt at 740 rushing yards. Um, I can't take the over on that. I know I don't want to make too much of the preseason. I'm not saying you know Blunt is totally doomed to fail, but it hasn't been a totally encouraging preseason And I think Wendell Smallwood is going to get the bulk of carries eventually if he continues to prove to be the most effective rusher, which he certainly looked like against the Dolphins. So I don't think I can take Blunt uh, the over on 740. I think I looked at LeGarrette Blunt's career average per season in terms of rushing yards, and that was about 640. So it's 100 yards less. I'm going to kind of bet on the under with that as well. So I guess I'm taking the under across the board here. If I had to take the over on one of these things, it would be Jernigan's sacks. I think there's a chance he gets over five. Um, I think Aguilar's under 45 though, um, or around there. I think Blunt is under 740. So thanks again to our good friend Stephen Lee with the good over under bets as always. As 
Our good friends BGN Radio, the BGN Radio page is commenting on this video if you're watching it on our Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash Bleeding Green Nation. As our BGN Radio account reminds us, you can also follow them on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash BGN Radio Podcast. So make sure you do that. Make sure you give us an iTunes review. Uh, Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. This has been BGN Radio Daily with BLG. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Follow Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter, at Bleeding Green. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter, at BGN underscore radio. I got it right this time. Uh, I always mess that up. So it's been a blast. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I will talk to you soon, probably, on the on the preview show, which I imagine we'll be doing soon since the game is on Thursday. And then we'll have the WIP show on Saturday. So plenty more content coming your way. And as always, we'll have the BGN Radio Daily every day. So make sure to check that out. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Again, five-star review. Give us a rating. And until next time, go Eagles. Thank you.